Episode 89, The New Human. This is Ruth Elizabeth Hancock and welcome to Work Your Energy podcast and I'm really excited to introduce an amazing guest this week. This is Mary Rodwell, the author of numerous books including The New Human and also hypnotherapist working with people who have experienced extraterrestrial contact. So hi Mary, how are you? I'm good Ruth, lovely to meet you. Yeah, lovely to meet you as well. And I've been working through your book. It's just incredible. I mean, really incredible. You know, for someone that's not open minded and doesn't sort of have any understanding, you know, of extraterrestrial and experiences or, you know, even the presence of extraterrestrial, I I think it must be mind blowing for people to read. Uh, And, you know, it's just it's just amazing the amount of case studies that you have in your book. And talking about the the different children and how they're so aware and awake and connected to their past lives on different planets, different solar systems. And um, and I wanted to really try and explore more around this today, looking at the the physical genetic evidence behind it, because this I find really fascinating because this is evidence that we can see. And of course, the thing about humans at the moment is that they all want to see stuff before they can believe it. So and in particular, I wanted to talk about the genetic changes. So you were just talking about uh, Dr. William Brown and talking about the evidence of genetic splicing. Um, and just say what you were saying before, because I think that was so interesting, what you were saying. Well, if you go deeper into my background, I was a nurse and a midwife many, many, many years ago. So I've needed the tangibility 3D side of things, because to me, that's important. You know, we we can't always take things on trust just because we're hearing certain things. We want something that's tangible that we can connect to. And the tangibility of this is going back to Dr. Francis Crick, the co-founder of the DNA molecule, who himself said that he had been that they had engineered our species. And it, and he, you know, he he went on to explain that it's so complex and nature of our DNA that it had to be an intelligent design. Now, when we look at the background of that, we had Neanderthals, Cro-Magnon, etc. We have a missing link. And then out of the blue comes Homo sapiens sapiens with twice the brain size, with 223 genes that are a sideways insertion of genetic material that no one can explain. We have what's known as um, DNA that they can't work out what it does. They called it junk litter because they couldn't find out. 5% they knew what it did, 5 to 10%. But the rest, they said, well, we don't really know what that does. So that's the, the mystery. What went with that was as I was looking into the, the accounts from people having experiences where they knew that they would have their DNA taken by various intelligences and what have you. And they would say that they came to understand through their experiences that they were not just the indifferent indigenous to this planet that there were other intelligences that had put their dna into homo sapiens sapiens and that's yet not been fully decoded but when you get a molecular biologist like dr william brown 
who talks about the evidence that this uh, that our DNA has been cut and spliced, etc. And there is a new upgrade of humans, you know, indigos, star children, etc. You've got that going on. And then in another book, um, Lloyd Pye in the intervention theory actually mentions uh, a whistleblower geneticist that said it's so obvious that, you know, that the genome's been cut and spliced, he said. But if I talk about it, I'd be hung up from a tree and and mocked because this is what is not being put out to the general community, even though there are many that are aware of it. But we know this, you know, this truth embargo, not just on the true nature of who we are. But on many other subjects, we've got hidden archaeology, where we're not told the truth about um, our ancient origins and that we could be have civilizations many millions of years before our own. This kind of thing you put together as a researcher and it, it starts to paint a picture of, OK, so who are these intelligences that have interfered with our DNA, as Dr. Francis Crick mentions that they were uh, were intelligently designed. And then you look all the way through history of the number of visitors to this planet that were seen as gods, that were interpreted as gods, but had the technology and the awareness to do this. And there's many mythologies about the gods interfering and creating humans. And I think even in Genesis, you've got the same thing where that, um, and we created them to be like us and be like us. Well, who is us? So I covered that as much as without getting too in depth to give a baseline to what we're now heading to as a species, as a new human, upgrade humans and humans that are becoming more and more activated and aware of their origins. Yes. Yeah, so this activation. So I'm understanding that DNA activation is an energetic thing as well as a physical thing, isn't it? So we we are being activated now I think on a faster um, speed as well so these changes are coming through on a very fast level enabling us to move into this new human and this is what uh, Dr. Olson calls letter people so your your hypothesis is that these letter people coming in people with ADHD and my son and my husband both have ADHD and um, we do homeschooling here and so these people are, they basically have got genetic differences, which has changed the way that they, if you like, uh, connect or relate to 3D reality. Absolutely. With my work with those that have had some form of extraterrestrial interaction, of some form of contact and what have you. Um, and this I found was an intergenerational kind of link so that if I had a, a, a lady or a gentleman who's had experiences, I often discovered when I talked to them that either one parent or another had um, the possibility of having experiences too. They might say, oh, granddad was always into UFOs or this kind of thing where the interest was there. And it might be one, it might be the maternal side, it might be the paternal side, but it might even be both. What intrigued me was there seemed to be more and more openness each generation. And then you would get to the, the the newer generations, you know, from 2000 particularly upwards, where more and more people had their children being given labels that more or less implied they were dysfunctional more than anything else, rather than the fact there might be something else going on. And I remember trying to work out, so what is 
if we are being gradually um, activated and woken up, why is there this way of interpreting the changes as a dysfunction? And what I what I discovered was that there are given these labels, ADHD, Asperger's, some forms of autism, dyslexia. And the, and the sense came in is maybe they're wired differently. And that's why they appear dysfunctional. And what's interesting with ADHD, the only way they can get them functional is to slow them down to a point where they can be programmed. And so what I came to the conclusion, and it's my opinion, the reason for that is that these intelligences want now a higher operating human system for their more multidimensional abilities. And so they've given them a different kind of brain wiring. They call it neurodivergent, as is one name that they're giving them. But instead of being how it's understood as a dysfunction, perhaps what we're missing is they are a different type of human, a human that is operating at a higher level. And one of the the clues to that was when I was talking to a gentleman who was um, Neil Gold in Hong Kong, who is an experiencer. He's had many years of contact. And he, he wrote the book, Close Encounters of the ADHD Kind. And what he said was he'd always noticed he saw a greater reality, a multidimensional reality. He could see more than it appeared his, you know, his peers. And he said to me, he said he actually retranslated it, always dialed into higher dimensions because he was seeing that that was the ability he had. But it wasn't a dysfunction. It's only seen as a dysfunction by the so-called norms that we're used to on this planet without realizing that the whole species is going through a transformation of consciousness. And there is going to be more and more of these labels given out because actually they're not dysfunctional they're just wired differently and they're they're being prevented from being programmed into an old paradigm the 3d paradigm which is limited and limiting and many of us have experienced that and we know that what we're taught of reality isn't accurate in modern psychology it's only saying that your your physical senses are to be relied on when we all are finding out quite and realize that our sensings of knowing, feeling, that intuition and all these other senses, if they're not shut down, we start to operate in a multidimensional fashion and sensing presences, um, telepathic information, connecting to the various spiritual realms is actually a normal part of our, if you like, it's it's who we are as a humanity. It, it is part of our humanness but it's been stemmed or shut down or blocked or interpreted in a negative way over the last few hundred years, particularly in Western society. Mm, Yes, I can see that. And I can see definitely that we're being interfered with, which I actually talk about in my first book. I can see that um, it makes when, when you look at quantum physics, when you look at where quantum physics is going, it makes perfect sense that we are multidimensional. You know, of course, we're not one dimensional in the way that we are led to believe. And I wonder, so it's interesting that you say that this has been um, definitely more prevalent in the past 100, 200 years, because I've been, I'm researching now for my next book, and, and I have kept asking myself, it feels like, you know, there has been more and more interference, but when did this start, which you've just answered, and why did this start? Why has it been more prevalent in the past 100, 200 years? What changed? 
What changed to upgrade humans, you mean, or the... What changed to start dumbing us down even oh, more yes. than we had been in the past? Because I know there's there's evidence of us being dumbed down, uh, you know, but I'm wondering, why does it feel like it's gone so much faster? I mean, it's just from the 1940s, you know, with the the... the changing of the Solveggio frequencies, you know, by um, Rockefeller, um, Hitler as well, just before the war to create a more aggressive environment, you know, um, just things like this. And you can just see that these changes have massively escalated. Is that maybe because we're moving towards this new positive world? And, you know, they sort of, they've been trying to keep us keep us dumbed down yeah keep us in the the old paradigm the old way of thinking well whether people want to believe this or not it's entirely up to them how informed they wish to get but I believe that for many centuries we've slowly been controlled and more controlled by certain groups that are really into controlling the population into uh if you like um, manageable a manageable way where they can actually do exactly what they want whether you call those elite lots of different names they're given from illuminati to the elite or whatever but there's a certain percentage of um, humanity that want to control everybody else and it's power it's greed or whatever and what they don't want is the the rest of humanity to wake up and actually perceive what's going on because then they will challenge it so there's been more and more protocols to dumb down um, the population. And there's lots of things now, and I'm getting into the conspiracy side of it because you can't avoid it. Our food has been poisoned. Our water has been poisoned. We have our air has been poisoned. We, um, and I now fully believe that a lot of those so-called vaccines are poisoned. And I'm, I've got more and more evidence for that. And I'm an ex-nurse who was very much into believing in, in the, um, the whole vaccine programs until I realized that that's another way that they can contaminate and make us ill. There's lots of other things that go with that. And it's the only way they can dumb us down is through these kinds of protocols and propaganda and even to limit what we know about ourselves, including our anthropo, you know, the anthropological history, the archaeological um, history, which we're only allowed to know a certain amount. And a lot of that is edited. Our science has been manipulated. Our biological science has been manipulated. We are given the wrong understanding about our biology and what actually, you know, all the natural processes of healing and what have you have been slowly taken away. And this is a deliberate program to keep this homo sapiens sapiens from manifesting its potential this is the way some of the ways they're doing it yes as a collective so as a collective we are far more powerful because in terms of energy fields and energy pendulums as i call them from you know vadim zealand in terms of the ener- the energetic aspect of our world we as a collective can energetically shift things so fast and we just need to wake up to this because we are the majority. I know that many people do not believe that this has been on a conscious, that they, that we haven't been interfered with on a conscious or purpose level. I feel that it has been on a purpose level, um, that it has been purposely done. And I can see that, you know, it obviously makes a lot of sense to people to control the masses. It makes it, you know, far more easier for them to, to, 
you know, people to control us. We're now 8 billion people. It's, it's hard to control 8 billion people. So yeah, I can see that, that definitely we have been interfered with. I'm actually now wondering if this is going to start improving because I do feel myself that, that many of these dark energies are leaving the planet and, you know, to, to, I feel them leaving. Um, I see them leaving when I'm doing my meditations. And I'm wondering now, will this enable us to wake up much faster? Well, I agree with you. I agree there has to be a tipping point where we get to where we're no longer in that dark place where we can't see what's going on. And the interesting thing with what's happened over the last few years, despite the chaos and the things that have occurred, which, you know, are, you know, sometimes I think they're un, unimaginable, unbelievable because they're so dark. But at the same time, what it's done is it's forced people to stop and take note of what's going on, to finally realize what's important in their lives, to look at their mortality and change the way that they are. And the numbers of people contacting me that have been awakened to all of this in the last few years because of what's happened has been incredible and so there's been something that I don't think was allowed for when they had they started this program was that there were going to be more people that actually see through the veil of what's going on and the propaganda and all the rest of it and suddenly realizing how much they've been manipulated and the children being born in the last you know, 20 years, they're already there. They can already see through a lot of this because they're already awake. They can tell when people are lying to them. They can tell when there's untruths and what have you. So they're already seeing it. So they, they get dumbed down in other ways. You know, they try and get them hooked into technology or they try and get them hooked into medications or drugs or alcohol and all these kinds of things as a way of stopping them from accessing the information but people also need to know that when you know some of the most famous um ufo crashes for example like the roswell one or what have you there has been technology gained from many of these crashed craft and, and from these intelligences that will give us free energy new healing techniques a whole range of other technologies that would change this planet forever, get rid of the pollution. We we won't even need fossil fuels. And it's all been hidden by a certain group that don't want this to be available because they because of greed, because of power, and because of a lot of other things that it gives them access to. If people knew how much of this could be cleaned up and you could literally power your home with a bit of equipment um, that's maybe this big, for the rest of your life without it costing you another penny. Just imagine how that would change lives, but you're not given it. And this is part of the truth embargo and the reason why many are being contacting me now and saying, I feel I need to speak up. I need to talk about my experiences. I need to write books on my experiences. And I believe disclosure is going to happen like that. Not what the the dear old governments want to just give you, oh, there are lights in the sky. We're not quite sure what they are. Rubbish because they fully know what they are, but it's going to come from credible individuals that are having experience and writing their stories and telling their stories. And this is happening exponentially now. I mean, you know, in terms of my own work, you know, where I might get half a dozen emails a week, it's it's a day sometimes now that I'm getting new. You know, these are people that may have never speak, spoken about it all their lives. And Dr. Lena Olson, 
The reason she came out of the space closet was because of the mantis being she was connected to. Um, She asked the question, should I start speaking my truth now and talking about this? And she had an instant healing by these particular intelligences that said, yep, now it's time. And she's taking a big risk because in Scandinavia, you know, there are things that they would see not, not much worse than actually having ET contact. And to give you an example of how toxic it, it can be in places like that, I spoke in when I was in Stockholm, I spoke to a 28 year old young man who had um, started. He said I was with friends and I started to speak this light language and they got so freaked out. They called the police and they called an ambulance. So they thought he was going crazy. And this is this is, you know, a few years ago. So this is this is how they're controlling the narrative, controlling people's experiences, because they're making them terrified of owning up to their experiences because you you could end up hospitalized. You could end up looking as though you're crazy. And people around you often will distance themselves because they don't know what to do about it. So you are stuck in this isolation. And are you going to talk about it then? It's much, much harder and takes a lot of courage. Yeah, I agree with that, definitely. And I, I you know, I think that this fear factor is keeping the, the vibration of the planet so much lower than it should be by now. And that's why, you know, I really want people to step out of fear more. And I talk a lot, a lot, a lot about raising our vibration, you know, and it really, I know it sounds like some sort of naff Instagram post to so many people, but it really is about raising our vibration because we need to get beyond these low vibrational frequencies so that we can start creating uh, a new, you know, a, a, a newer, higher vibrational world so that you know, more people can thrive. Well, this is happening, I think, despite what is being put out. And it's all about transcending fear. You know, as a shaman and anyone who does any shamanic work, the first thing they've got to do is transcend their human fears so they can operate in a multidimensional reality. Well, what is being put out is this fear blanket that's saying, stay at home, don't do anything, everything's out to get you. And that is the, the, the prison. You, the fear has created the prison. So are you going to live the rest of your life like that, thinking erroneously you're going to be safe? Or are you going to say, I'm not going to be tied to a fear frequency. I'm going to own who I am and to step past that. And that's what I'm seeing more and more is people being unafraid to say, this is not this is not for me. I don't want it for myself. I don't want it for my children. I certainly don't want it for my grandchildren, because this is this is what humanity is faced with right now is do we want a beautiful future for our children and grandchildren and the other future generations? Or are we going to let ourselves be put in a box by a very small minority of uh, individuals that think they can put us in that box? Yes, and possibly these individuals, uh, they their bloodlines link back to the Anunnaki, the original Anunnaki, who who I suspect um, took our, or de- deleted, eliminated the third strand of DNA that we had. And I know that you you talk about this in your book. I just want to ask you a question. So, if we are moving into a three DNA strand, and there is a, a boy in the UK, Alfie Clamp, who already has three DNA strands, yeah. And how does this fit with the 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 twelve strand? So that the twelve DNA helix. 
Does that mean that we are moving to 12 and we still have more to go? Or does that mean that we are? Okay, so then when the the Anunnaki took away the third strand of DNA, where were the other nine strands? Where were they? Had we did we not have them activated at that point? I mean, you may not know the answer to this. All I know is that we have everything we need within our DNA. Um, We have to understand that it's also holographic as well. And so we may not be fully aware of that. What I was, um, what has come to me as different sources is that we have everything we need to be, to be part of our galactic community, if you like, that it's all in our DNA. What's happening is with the frequencies um, that, that are hitting the planet now, and what we're being exposed to is gradually activating that those particular aspects of DNA that belong to our star heritage, whether it's Orion, Sirius, Arcturus, Andromeda or whatever, or others. And, and the evidence of that is how many are identifying as being hybrids and will actually say, you know, um, I feel I'm Pleiadian or I feel like I'm from this or whatever, which means that part of their DNA has been activated and they're recognizing that part of their star origin or whatever. Um, interestingly, even the children have talked about this. And one little girl told me that she was a hybrid and that she was part human, part water being and even drew the water being and actually said that she's brought the water being in with her human self. That's how she identifies as a hybrid. So she's brought in the the awareness of the water being and what have you. So I'm getting it not just from adults that are saying they're hybrids and owning to the fact that they are hybrids. We're even getting the children connecting to that and bringing in their awareness of their other lives and what have you. Because with that awareness comes the abilities that come from that particular origin as well, which they're bringing to the planet to help. And one young man told me, he he was 10 years old, and he said that, on his other planet, he was a blue being, but he said he's come to this planet for the first time. His mother has been here many times, so that's why he chose her. He's a very first first time as a human. He said, I'm a center seed and I connect to the center of the planet and I'm going to be helping with all the pollution. That was his mission um, and how he understood it. So this is what I mean. It's, it's a, um, it is quite astounding and astonishing how much these new generations of human are awake to who they are what what they're here for what the mission is and you know owning their heritage their galactic heritage Mm, I think that's beautiful and I think you know that has been I think probably one of the the biggest sources of depression and mental health issues in this world to date is that people don't know why they're here they don't know what they're supposed to be doing they they feel lost they have no sense of purpose you know and we obviously you know we talk about finding our purpose and all those sorts of things but you know I think it's so wonderful that people are coming in now and knowing this because then they know what they're here for and I've never really quite bought into the whole karma thing. I just, I think it just, it doesn't make logical sense to me. You know, like we, I've never believed that we come here to struggle, you know, and to go through like hell and fire, you know, to, to um, make amends for our past wrongs or anything like that. I do feel that we come here in order to help. Mm. And, um, and I think it's really great that, people have this sort of this this feeling you know this this purpose that they know what they're coming here for 
I know what your thoughts are on that. I mean, I, I just don't, I, I do think that karma is something that's being fabricated by the, the 3D matrix, you know, and I don't think it's real. I've only can go on doing a lot of work with past lives. And one of the interesting things that came up with the past lives, apart from the in-between lives and soul journey and what have you, is that often when I've taken them through a, um, a particular past life to the death sequence, and then them seeing themselves as, you know, their essence, their soul afterwards. And I might, you know, and I'll say to them, so what did you learn in that life? And they they may say, well, I learned about compassion or I learned about limits or I learned about this. I didn't do so well, maybe in this, this and this, which, you know, maybe I might explore at another time. But there was no judgment in that. It was more of what they gained in awareness and understanding from that experience. And then the same thing with choosing this life, they will talk about choosing their mother and father and the siblings and what what they can teach them through an experience. So it's a bit like a spiritual adventure and it's giving them an opportunity to make choices about how they choose to view their experiences. For example, you can, you know, what, what I say is what what I believe the choice is, the choice is whether you choose to see it from a victim's perspective or whether you choose to see the silver lining and say, you know what is pretty tough, but through that, I got to understand more of this, this and this. So that I've seen it very much as a, a soul adventure that is exploring different experiences and different choices to gain more awareness and connection to us all, because we're all connected to one another. So I believe it's to the the collective source of of what we are or who we are you know universal source whatever name you want to give that because it's more about an exploration of different choices and different experiences that's how I've come to understand it yes I can relate to that definitely and um, that reminds me of something that I'm always saying in my group programs to the people is that allow life to unfold and that's exactly what you just said life is an adventure and unfortunately because of the low vibrations the fear factor of our world people are not empowered to embrace this adventure because they're so scared of what's going to come next because they've experienced so much struggle and suffering that they don't want to you know even take another step on the road but as you rightly say life is an adventure I do agree that all all adventure is learning. Everything is learning. Yeah. And I can see, I just think it's really nice for people to have that purpose. You know, I know that for myself, I really struggled my whole life finding my purpose, you know, finding more meaning. I had depression for like 45 years. You know, I just was sort of just devoid of, 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 you know, I just felt numb. And I think I'm very driven to, 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 help people never to feel like that. You know, I, I feel very strongly that as a species, we need to reach our full potential. And for me, multidimensionality is our full potential. Well, I think it's what makes sense of the 3D world it, um, and what's happened in the Western world, not so much in indigenous tribes where they're open to both sides of their awareness, not just the 3D, but the multidimensional. We've had that plugged, if you like, or erased as valid. So most of us in that are programmed in the Western mindset, we're really going around with one eye closed because we're only using this to try and interpret our experience. You can't do that because you need both eyes to understand 3D reality and a multidimensional 
reason behind why these things happen, because it, it's both that create our experience. If you're close to part of you that is it helping you to understand, that, then nothing makes sense. What do you get? Depression. Mm, yeah, I can see that. And I can see, you know, so many people who have depression shouldn't have it. Um, you know, it's it's that lack of connection to their spiritual side. And in fact, the, some of the research I'm reading at the moment is all about the left and right brain and how, um, and I think it's um, Dr. Teresa Bullard, I think her name is, from Gaia. And she talks about how depression is that we essentially we don't have that connection to the right brain, that we're too left brain in, in everything that we do. And because we don't have that, so our brains need to work all together, left and right together. Yeah. And we're all, we're just working from this left side and we don't have that connection to the right, which of course is the intuition, the creativity, um, all these sorts of things. So even if you're, you know, you're not at the level that we're talking about now, spirituality could be seen just simply as the, the the right side of our brain. Well, it's something that I talk about a great deal, particularly with those that are having their awareness activated. And I will ask them whether or not they're seeing energy or feeling energy. They see orbs or if they feel presences and what have you, because I uh, are they having information in their head they haven't consciously learned, for example, because that's all downloads and whatever. What it's saying is they're experiencing multidimensionality, but not fully understanding how to work with it because they've never been given the tools to do so. And because a lot of people are waking up, they're starting to feel presences. They're pro- starting to get synchronicities. They're starting to get knowings and precognition and all these kind of things. But they don't know, well, how do I, you know, how do I manage that? How do I put it together so that it's useful to me and have confidence in it? So often in my work is helping them to understand how it works. In other words, giving them an operating system. So they've got the new car that, you know, that looks, you know, shiny and bright. And they know that it can drive them to where they need to go, but they still don't know where the ignition is. And what do they do with the steering wheel? And how does it all work and come together so they're safe on the road? A lot of my work is about showing them how that all works. Because I said, once you have that, you've got your grounding, which you need, but you need to work in harmony not separately, but in harmony with your 3D and your multidimensional, because all day we can be going from one to the other where we're understanding from a logical analytical side, but also from our intuition and that knowing that's saying this isn't right. Why isn't it right? It just doesn't feel right. And how many dismiss that because, oh, well, I've got no way of um, giving that tangibility, but you, you end up finding out it's absolutely accurate. So why are you dismissing it? When that's your multidimensional self giving yes. you what's what's what needs to happen or what you need to know. Yeah. And I actually I talk about this in my in my book because I relate it to the brain waves because I'm trying to give some people something tangible to hang on to. You know, so the the beta brain waves of the 3D, the alpha brain waves, the 4D, the theta brain waves, the 5D. And I very much. And then, of course, beyond that is higher consciousness. And, you know, we, uh, we, we already know that our, our brainwaves, we're dipping in between beta, alpha, theta all the time. Theta is the self-healing and the, um, the miracle brainwave. 
So we already have proof that this is happening, yeah. getting to the gamma and you know all of that. I think that takes meditation to get to those points, but possibly not for the new children coming in. Well, what's interesting with them, they can access a lot of these abilities quite consciously. Um, many of them are saying they're an empath or they're a healer and already doing it. They just they just do it in their conscious state. We still think that we have to be in a certain state to access certain things. Ultimately, we won't need to. Ultimately, we'll just be able to go to where we need to be, you know, like turning the volume on an old radio. You know, we just, okay. I need to be in that frequency for this or I need to be in that frequency. And it will be automatic. It will be part of our activation and what have you. And this is what we, you know, we've got to look forward to. It isn't just the kids that would be doing this. I say even the older models like me. I said, we'll have that available to us. You know, it might take us a little longer to get to the particular point that they've got to, but it is there for all of us. And but the the one thing I remember one star star kid when she was nine, she she lives in Sweden and she said, Mary, she said, human beings are amazing. They don't even have any idea how amazing they are, but they've got to believe it first. And this is the thing. Belief is, let's face it, what you are programmed almost from the beginning is. You're not, you know, you can't do this. You can't do that. You might be stupid and all the rest of it. Um, And if you're religious, you're a sinner right from the word go. You haven't got any choice in that. You're a sinner right away. Um, So you're on a loser to begin with, you know, with all these different messages that you've got to have this to be considered worthwhile or you've got to have that awareness to be considered or you've got to have that piece of paper to be considered worthwhile. We have all these messages telling us we're useless. Everyone knows more than us. And we're really not good people as well. We're probably, you know, full of parts of ourselves that are not acceptable or whatever because we think differently or because of what. That's the messages that, you know, we're getting even in school. You're not good enough for this or you're not good enough. For that. You're not fast enough for this or you're not fast enough for that. You're very stupid, aren't you? Or whatever. We've all had it. We've had it through school. And it's not just the kids saying it to you either. We have many um, teachers that that's how they they teach, you know. Is they think they're encouraging you to do better. All they're doing in many cases is creating a very depressed, sad child who thinks they're never going to get anywhere anyway. Mm, I know that's why we left mainstream school. My my son was just just completely his confidence was so low, you know, and both children were doing so badly in the curriculum. But I could see that they're actually very intelligent children. And it didn't make sense to me that they were both doing so badly in school. And I also feel now they're doing an online platform, but but again, I feel because I listen to what they're being taught and I think I, that it's still dumbing them down. It's still so wrong. And, you know, and half the teachers look depressed out of their minds anyway, which is not, it's not, it's not a, a nice vibration because as you rightly say, these new children, they're all of a higher vibration. So anything that's, that's lower vibration is not going to be a match for them. And it's just going to, pull them down into depressive states, I think. You know, I often have parents with these these children from various ages saying they're not doing well at school, they're very unhappy, um, that, you know, they're considered they're not, not capable or whatever. And, you know, it's not just parents, there's been some clinical psychologists that have worked with these children and, and they recognize they're the new ones because they're star seeds themselves and they recognized it. And, you know, I get calls all the time from parents saying, and one parent very recently was talking about her daughter and saying that she, if she gets sent back to school again, she says she's going to end it. 
you know, she's just going to end. She's she can't go back to school. She can't face with it. And she says, I don't know what to do because, you know, we've had all the different experts and all the rest of it. And I said to her, well, if going to school means that, then she's going to have to be allowed to do whatever it is from home, isn't she? Um, while she she is feeling this way, because there is something very dark in the school that makes her feel that she does, she wants to end it or whatever. And it is that serious. People don't realise that, you know, kids can really profoundly react to some of the things that are going on in, in certain of the schools. Some you know schools are better than others, you know, without any doubt. I think the Steiner School has a little bit more openness to creativity and that kind of awareness. If you can, you know, get your kid to not all of them are, you know, there's some better than others, but they seem to have a bit more openness to creativity and supporting from a a more spiritual level and what have you. But really, we need a complete rehash of how we support these new generations. And I've always said it's like creating an environment that is supporting and loving and allowing them to tell us and teach us what they most need to be all they've they've come here to be. So we'll be the ones that will be learning from them how best to support them and how best to help them. Mm, Yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, I just wanted that reminder, I wanted to come back to what you were talking about earlier with the star child, because I thought this was very interesting. So the star child has, they've done uh, DNA sequencing, sequencing on it, have they? Not in the way that we, we we look at, it, or as far as I know, they may very well have done, but we certainly haven't heard um, anything okay. about it. But there has been evidence, and it's a story that was to do with, I think, some um, hospital in California where the story goes, and I'm, I'm sure this isn't the only one, not sure whether I put it in the book or not, was um, there was a young boy who was born, uh, his mother had HIV. So when he was born, they were testing him regularly for the fact that, you know, it had been passed on to him. And they found something quite extraordinary. When he got to about five or six, suddenly it it was eradicated. There was no more HIV and they couldn't work this out. How is it that suddenly he's, he's cured and whatever? And they looked into his DNA and they found that instead of the 20 codons that were part of this, he had 24 and they realized that it was those extra four that enabled him to self-heal. And they, I think they worked out there was about 3% of the population has these 24 codons rather than the 20. So what is that saying? That's saying certainly something is going on, even if we are not being made aware of it. And I do think certain organizations are aware of it because look at the DNA collection that's going on and has been going on for several years now. I believe that they know exactly what they're looking for. Exactly. And that's probably freaking them out a little bit because I believe there's a huge number now that are manifesting this kind of upgrade. And that's they're just I'm you know, I don't get access to to um, laboratories and what have you. I would love to be able to explore more of this. But there is a lot of um, testimony from various people that have said, um, and one of them is a a lovely lady who is an academic, who said that a friend of hers looked at her, her DNA and whatever, and was so frightened by what he saw that he he said, I I can't look at it anymore. You know, he couldn't explain it or whatever. Um, So she never got to know what it was that he was seeing in her DNA. But he was certainly seeing something that terrified him. Wow. That's just one of many cases where there was another one in Western Australia, a family where 
they basically were told um, that there was something very unusual with their children's DNA, but they were never, ever told what it was or had it explained to them. So I think when they collect DNA, especially at birth, they're very good at collecting DNA. I would suspect there's a very different kind of DNA database somewhere or in various places that isolates pretty well something that they know to look for that is highlighting these children. I wouldn't I'm no I've got no way of proving that. Mm. All I can say is there's many ways to collect DNA these days. And, you know, everything's about DNA, isn't it? You know, yes, um, I know. And funnily enough, in my meditations, I keep hearing this voice in my head saying it's the DNA, it's the DNA. And and so I've been I've been exploring as much as a sort of um, research as I can around DNA. But of course, it's a massive area. And so much of it, I think, is just suppressed. So it's very hard to try and find this, you know, to try and find more information out. And then that's why I was very pleased to read your book, because you you reference quite a few things in here from, you know, from geneticists, scientists. I know Dr. Robert Davis was talking about um, the the frequencies from other dimensions and how we are actually already geared to interpret these frequencies from other dimensions. And I thought that was interesting because that's channeling, isn't it? You know, that's that's downloading channeling information, which, um, as I said before, I, 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 I worked with a shaman and learned how to channel. And, you know, I find it very, very interesting. Don't understand it really, but I find it very interesting. And we can access, I think, more data, more information from that point. And because of the suppression that's going on in our world, I think it's important to be able to have that channeled information as well. Because if you like, you're going beyond the 3D world and getting access to more information. But this brings me back to something that we were talking about before, which is that he talks about how truth resonates with truth and which which he he then goes on to explain is, is our knowing feeling, is when we intuitively know something and we just know something is true. And certainly I know many people who are listening to this will already be struggling with that in their life, that they cannot prove something, but they know it's true. And, you know, they'll be surrounded by people who are saying to them, well, you can't prove it. It's not true. But this Dr. Robert Davis is saying that actually we we can see that truth resonates with truth. So in this 3D matrix, 3D reality, we, we have absolute truth and relative truth. Absolute truth does not exist, but mm. we can we can find our own absolute truth through resonance. And, and that's been part of my work is helping people to access their own resonance, to trust their own resonance and whether or not they see that truth coming to them from other sources you know, uh, um, higher realms or whatever, spirit guides or other intelligences, or whether they interpret it as their higher self, their oversoul, you know, superconscious hope. Um, either way, it doesn't really matter how they interpret it. If what they're getting resonates and makes sense. And one of the things that we, we have to do now is because of this, we live in a, an, uh, an information matrix now of all sorts of different data that's coming to us from all different levels. How do you discern what is the truth or your truth connecting to the truth that you are hearing about or whatever? 
You've only got one thing, and that's a knowing or a sensing or a feeling or a resonance to this information rather than that information, what have you. Because ultimately, there's no one out there is going to be the ultimate guru that's going to say to you, I've got all the truth, here you are, have it. Because that's a nonsense, because nobody has. The only thing you've got, and I believe we're born with the tools we need to get through this um, adventure that we call human life. We are born with the tools we need, but we've lost confidence in them. We've lost trust in our own tools and resonance to truth and our knowing and our sensing and our feeling. And this is what now we have to go back to, even though it's scary for you to take responsibility for your own truth rather than rely on other people, because that's disempowering you. Ultimately, we have to take responsibility for our own resonance to truth and what we choose to accept as that. Because that is the ultimate responsibility, it's, you know, but it's also the self-empowerment that you are saying, I know I can do this because I, you know, we all can. And that's very important to me to assist those that are perhaps still having a, um, needing a bit more um, assistance to to feel that that sense and trust in their own selves and whatever they feel they're connected to, whether it's spirit guides, angels, religious figures, sended masters, you know, whatever, light beings, you know, mantis, whatever it is that they see as an, a source of information that comes through with information to help them understand what's going on and to help them with their own personal journey. Mm. So these archetypes that we see in our own mind, are these real then? Or is this how our mind translates the frequencies, the energies that, you know, that that come into our brain from the, the quantum field, if you like? Well, it could be either. I think that what we do is we create a way of interpreting certain things in our experience and reality. For example, we may connect to a spirit guide that looks like, I don't know, a lion being or whatever. Um, and that's the, what they're presenting to you. It may or may not be that form, although it may be. And they're saying, I'm your spirit guide or whatever. What is important there is does that give that being give you in, um, awareness and information that makes sense to you? or helpful to you in any way. It doesn't matter if ultimately it's just energy and it's just an intelligence. Um, so for me, it's where every different person I work with is, what is your what is your way of working? What is your way of perceiving reality? Um, how do you understand your intuition? How do you understand the source of your information? And that is what I'm going to, uh, that I'll work with with them. Okay, you you feel that you, you there's, there's not spirit guides or there's not angels for you. It's your higher self helping you do this. Okay, so we work through the higher self. You know, um, so it really depends on how they and some of them will say, well, I feel this isn't my only reality, that I have other realities in parallel universes, different timelines, different, um, et cetera, et cetera. OK, so how, how do you want to understand more of that and how it helps you understand your reality now? It doesn't really matter to me how they um, put it together, as long as I've got an idea of helping them work through it to gain the information and help and understanding that they're seeking. How they interpret it is fine. I just find out what it is and say, right, well, that's what we're going to work with then. So it's, it's more about working with their individual perception of reality that is their spiritual guidance, if you like. And for some, it may be Jesus and Mary, you know, it may be the saints. It, it doesn't matter. 
It's do they trust that source? Do they trust that frequency to give them truth, to give them understanding, to give them the knowledge that they're seeking to make sense of their world? Mm, yeah. So it's it's just simply expanding consciousness out of their own space and uh, connecting to consciousness. You know, I mean, I know consciousness is everything. It's interesting because, you know, I know that you talk to there's a little boy in your book, you know, who says that he comes from the Mantid family and when he dies, he'll go back to this family. So is this his interpretation of this this reality, if you like, or is this another aspect of him living in that reality um, within his multidimensional self? It could be actually that. Um, the understanding is that he's very connected to that particular frequency, which he calls his ancestors, the mantis, and that he'll be back. He'll be a mantis again when he uh, leaves this planet. What's interesting is that he talked about going on the craft sometimes and evaporating into a mantis form. And this is not the only time I've heard that. I've heard others say that they've gone into another form on board craft and then gone back to their human form and reanimated it, if you like, like an avatar, you know. So he connects to that form even through his, his experiences now as part of who he is, part of his DNA. So for him, it's very real. It's, you know, it isn't just a fantasy. It is real and tangible to him. And so you have to honor that. I mean, the thing is, what I say, Ruth, is you don't know, in terms of our reality, you don't know what you don't know. We learn more by listening to the amazing um, accounts of experience and reality, which should expand you to understanding how limited each one of us really is compared to the matrix of consciousness that we're dealing with and what have you. You know, I get a veterinary surgeon that, that I worked with in Chile, and she wrote to me recently and said, Mary, I now can hear what my what the the animals that are brought to me are saying so I can convey that to their owners. So now they can tell me what's wrong or how they're um, going and I can then pass that on. But she says the ones that have died, I can do that, too, because they'll come in and I can convey their messages to their owners and whatever. Here is a veterinary surgeon that's basically saying she can talk to the animals and not only the animals that are alive, but the ones that are no longer with us. Make of that what you will, but that is not unusual. Mm. There are so many people now saying that they can communicate with animals. Children, like that one, the child that says he's, you know, he's connected to the mantis, he communicates with animals. So what I'm, do you say they're all crazy? Or do you say maybe that's an ability we all have, just some of us haven't refined it or have the ability yet? to connect to that that animal consciousness or whatever, those that are talking to trees, you know, and plants and what have you. Do we say, oh, that's a load of rubbish just because I can't do it? Or do we say, is that really a property perhaps that we have that we haven't yet um, awakened in our own ability and awareness? I always go back to this film, Lucy, and I don't know whether you've seen the the film, Lucy. Mm -hmm. I know they're using chemicals to activate her DNA and what have you. But what happens with Lucy as more and more of her DNA gets activated, she becomes more and more expanded, more and more multidimensional. And I believe that's a real indicator of where we are going. And what well, the reason I say that is many of them also get downloads of programs that they can't decode. They'll say, 
I had all this downloading of information, but I can't, I can't understand it. I don't know how to um, decode it. I don't know how to interpret it. And I, I was, oh, hold on, this is a bit strange. Why would intelligences download information that you can't use or activate or understand or decode unless they know that at some point you're going to need it? You're going to need the new software for the activated human. And mm. I believe that's why it's there. Because nothing is, to me, it's illogical otherwise. And I don't think any of this is illogical. I think there's a purpose. We just don't don't always realize what the purpose is. And I suspect, well, one of the interesting things an experiencer said to me many years ago, she said some of these symbols, for example, that people have downloaded, she said they may just see something that looks like a question mark or a, a circle and a dot or something. She says what they don't realize is that that is multidimensional information, that if you unpacked it, she said it's a bit like the word Christmas. If you look at the word Christmas, what does that activate in terms of understanding? Christmas trees, Father Christmas, Christmas dinner, parcels, presents. You think of all the things, just that one word activates in terms of how we understand Christmas. She said it's a bit like that. And she said one symbol contain as much information as a room full of encyclopedias. And we're just seeing a symbol, just manifested all these symbols, but I don't know what they are. Yes. And I, 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 I talk about this in one of the chapters of my new book, actually, <clears throat> and looking at the, the energetic frequencies. And as you say, the information behind the, the hieroglyphics and, yeah. and also, um, Freddie Silva talks about the crop circles and how these these crop circles were, were possibly put into our planet, put onto our Earth in order to up level, upgrade all of our consciousness, because our consciousness has definitely been upgrading on an energetic level. You know, and it's now, I think, at a, a very high level you know, for, for many, many people. And so they must have had a way that they had that, that they were able to do this. And so putting symbology around the world. And of course, with all the ancient sites as well, you know, a huge amount of symbols everywhere and the hieroglyphs as well. And they contain that those energetic memories, that energetic data information. So these downloads that the children are downloading could also be that, that they are contributing towards raising the vibration of the planet through this energetic downloads that they're getting rather than actually having to uh, understand what the symbols mean. It, it, it's, it's that energetic frequency that they're putting down onto paper because once it's down on paper, then it's there. It's there in physical form. And it, I think it can create possibly more impact in that physical form. I've no doubt that some, that's the purpose of it as well, including our own frequencies and language and the frequencies even of the children are also working that way I always remember and you know I I sort of connect to my team as it were and they told me once you know Mary even your voice has has a frequency to activate and what have you and I said oh you know it's going out there or just you it's going out there and I said oh come on you know give give me a break being being very English and saying come on you know how, what we're like you know you don't get to you don't big note yourself in England do you and I said, oh, that's, that sounds a little bit too much for me to swallow and what have you. So always they prove to me what they're telling me. And I, I was in a, uh, an expo and I was part of a panel 
I actually was sitting there and I wasn't particularly, I wasn't speaking at the time. And a woman stood up in the audience and she said, I've got to say this to you, Mary. She said, you're sitting there and you're not really saying very much, but you're beaming out all these frequencies, she says to the audience. And I thought I ought to tell you that I'm feeling them. And I just sat there gobsmacked because it, it was only a week prior to that, that that's what I'd been told. And I think everyone who's on these frequencies, whoever they are on the planet, are doing the same thing. But I think without question, as you raise your frequency and you're interacting with people, they are picking that up and it's activating others. Funnily yeah. enough, uh, my guide said that said said a similar thing that I need I need to to write and speak, you know. And as I speak, this information, the channeled information, comes out, and yeah. I need to you know I need to do this on a much larger scale than I'm doing now because I have you know I'm a bit shy. Um, but I thought I'll start with a podcast, you know, and I'll, I'll write books <laughs> and get all this information out there. And, and I think that's why so many people feel called to do that same thing, that we all need to get this information out there because the information is energetically changing the collective consciousness. And that's what I think people don't understand that, you know, even one little person sitting at home can make such a huge difference just by speaking and writing and, you know, their truth, because that truth comes out, it creates that resonance, it, it, it um, increases the vibration of the planet, you know, the more of us that do this, I think is really important. Well, it's happening, isn't it? Already, yeah. we're seeing it. I, I think the powers that be that wanted to shut us all down, didn't realize just how much this would actually work for us, rather than them. Because yes. now more and more people are ever more informed than they've ever been. Whereas where I used to do a, a conference somewhere and there might be three or four or five hundred people and a few of them might take your DVD or whatever and show it to a few friends or whatever. Many times now that particular presentation could be seen by thousands because it gets on the Internet and people all over the world get to see it, you know, and, um, and that's the difference now. So they're getting the information. And it's being mm. disseminated more and more. And it's so easy to disseminate it now as well. So this is, I think, was not understood when, you know, the, the, this was supposed to be a medium for the lesser, uh, what should I say, the, the, the hierarchy of this planet. They didn't expect that. They didn't expect that this would happen. No, but I think, again, as you as you say, I think it's because we are so much more connected to the higher consciousness and even if we think we can't hear them, we can. We just think it's our own thoughts. So I just think so many more people now are downloading this information, you know, as they sleep during the day. And it's, if you like, it's overriding all the, the negative energy on the planet, you know. And we just have to just get into that heart space, get into that feeling of love, you know, get into that feeling of that I want to make this world a better place for everybody. And as soon as you're in there, you're downloading streams of higher consciousness information, which is then going to come out through you as you talk with your friends. That's exactly right. And that's what's so exciting now is to see how many people are opening up to this that may never have done five years ago. Um, yeah, so the other thing, I, and I know I'm taking up all your time here, so I'm just going to ask you one more thing. Um, and I just wanted to go back again to this sort of um, the the thing that Lloyd P Pye was talking about. And um, because he is a very interesting man and he's obviously researched this a lot, a lot, a lot. You know, I know that he's no longer with us. 
it was him, yeah, that was was talking about the the, the star child skull. Is that correct? Yeah. Yes. And so, what did that? What did he discover from this star child skull? That it was the the the, the mother, the mitre, that was was human, but the the father, the Y chromosome, wasn't. Is is that correct, or have I got that wrong? Well, I'm not absolutely certain now, but I thought actually it was the mitochondrial DNA that proved it wasn't human. He, he didn't get the final results that he wanted before, unfortunately, he passed away. But I, I was there when he first um, showed the skull in, I think it's 2000 in Nevada, and there was a big show of, look what we've got here. Amazing gentleman, so thorough. He had so many tests and what have you. I think there were about 24 points that proved it wasn't human, at least 24 or, or more now. I can't remember all the details. It's a long time since I read his book, The Intervention Theory, but it's, he went into details all about the star child skull. So anyone who wants more information on that, just go to the website and, and see for yourself. But I think it was actually proved that the mitochondrial DNA wasn't, uh, was not human, if I remember okay. rightly. But okay. I could be wrong now because it's it's been a long time since I've looked at it. Yeah. And then that also leads with the Maria. So the Maria yeah. that Nassim Haramein and William Brown. Yeah. So have they discovered now that this is not human as well? My understanding is that, yes. Um, I mean, the thing is, with a lot of these elongated skulls that have been found all over the world, including England, what you know, there are so many anomalies with them. And they tried to say that, you know, that they were, skulls were that shape because they bound them to make yes. them that shape. Well, certainly the the primitive indigenous tribes did do a lot of that. But the ones that were the elongated ones that were found in Peru, apparently also they had fetuses with the same um, elongated skulls. So th- this wasn't binding. Um, this was how they were being born as well. And, there's, there's, you know, the, the fascinating thing is nothing is ever really said about the anomalies of these um, shaped skulls. I know they keep it so hidden. It's so infuriating. Well, the great books to read on some of the hidden archaeology is Michael Crino. Um, and one of his books I've got, I know he's got several called Hidden Archaeology, but the, they found nails in rock that are millions of years old, for example. Um, and they're trying to sell, tell us that we only appeared on the scene, I think, two, 200 and something odd thousand years ago or something ridiculous or whatever. Um, but it seems to from this kind of hidden archaeology, we've been around for maybe many millions of years, or at least some life forms have been, whether they were truly human or not, or part of the hominids or whatever, I don't know. I'm not an expert on that. But what frustrates me, Ruth, more than anything is that we are lied to on virtually every level of human knowledge, every level. I'm talking from science to biology to religion to the whole gamut of what is, you know, what we call knowledge that are being taught in higher education or whatever, where there's an edited version of everything, including, of course, as I say, religion, where it is tailored to the particular belief system that suits whoever is running the show. Um, and, and that is why, you know, we've got so many confused people because this is what you're taught and then you're finding something far greater than that. And then you have to say, but why? 
Why are we being lied to? Why are we being shut down? And that takes you then into the whole thing of what have I incarnated into, you know, um, to a planet where virtually everything is a lie. You know, it's it's um, and that's when I think you have to start facing the reality. The only truth is going to be the one that you seek for yourself and find that resonates and makes sense to you. And I think most of the people that are waking up now, that's exactly what they do. They find they become avid researchers because they want the truth. Yeah, no, likewise. I'm I'm obsessed with researching and writing my books. And yeah, I totally agree with you. Uh, And we actually, my children and I, we started the um, Nassim Haramin's Resonance Science um, course last night. Okay. And uh, it was is really really amazing. He was talking about the evidence of advanced civilizations in there. And interestingly, the the person I interviewed for my podcast last week um, on Atlantis, he has said that in the past few days they have actually now discovered a uh, an ancient workshop, like a tool workshop in Ethiopia, which they dated back 1.3 million years ago. Wow! There you go. So, you know, this would have been intelligent hominids of some sort yeah. that would have had this workshop. Yeah. So, you know, this, I, I agree. I think we've been around for millions of years. I'm not too sure what I think about us being wiped out on purpose so many times. Um, Alan Green was speaking last night and he said that that everything is secular and, yeah. you know, same way. So everything in nature is. So So therefore it makes sense that humans are as well. So we reach a point in our civilization and our development, and then something happens and it's wiped out. But I actually rather like Brooks Agnew, who says that this is because of the the resonance. We are attracting the lower vibrational destruction matter, if you like, to the planet. I think that one really makes a lot of sense to me. We raise our vibration. We're going to raise our vibration beyond this. And we won't, we won't have that level of destruction anymore. We actually will be in a higher vibration away from all this low density matter. I, I think so too. And when people say to me, you know, well, it's not looking good. And I agree that we're, we're at a point where I think with the chaos and it can be very um, hard to see the light at the end of the tunnel. And I, my argument is this, that there are too many beautiful new souls of awareness, higher awareness coming in with various um, high mandates and missions. They're not coming in for a waste of time because that would be illogical because they would know whether or not it was worth it or not. And if they've chosen to come in, it's because they know that it's going to be worthwhile coming in and helping with the shift. Uh, You know, no matter what, what looks dark at the moment, there's a great deal of light coming in now as well. And we just, it's just not as obvious just yet, but I think it certainly will be. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a great uh, note to end on. Thank you very much for that. And I totally agree with you. I feel very positive about the future. I really do. And I have been doing for quite a few years now, now that my depression has gone. So I think, yeah, we're moving into an amazing new, new earth, if you like, new, you know, new, new dimension, new existence, however, new reality, perhaps is the best way of saying it. Thank you very much. Okay. All right. Very much. Pleasure.